Well, certainly not since 2012 can I recall a bigger home league attendance for the opening home game of a new League of Ireland season at the showgrounds than 4,317 spectators for the opening game against Derry City this season. And uh, that was reflected if you arrived at the ground shortly after six o'clock. The uh, queues were already round the corner and down the street, thank you very much. Fans were in early and in big, big numbers for the opening home league fixture. And there was a match programme after all. The Sligo Heritage Group have put together an eight-page physical match programme, which is going to be on sale for all the home games for just two euro. Uh, not as extensive as the programme we were used to, which has now gone online, but the eight-page uh, in-your-hand match programme is still a nice publication and a sniff at just two euro for each and every home game. So well done to the uh, Heritage Group lads for putting that together and a nice uh, shiny picture of Tony Fagan lifting one of his many trophies on the home cover of last night's programme. As for the game itself... Let's remind you of the key moments, which a lot of them happened towards the end of the game. Rovers against Derry City. Here's a snippet of commentary from yours truly and Gavin Dykes on Ocean FM last night. And the ball is played towards yeah, Kelly, well caught out though by Reese Hutchinson. Important interception there. But oh. then Patchy with the ball back, peeled away from two challenges. The second one was an eagle one. It's a yellow card for Conor Malley. And here comes a free Danger. kick for Derby City. Seven or eight metres outside yeah. the edge of the area. It's, it's Dead straight in front of McGinty's goal. Yeah, it's Will Patching territory. You know, I've seen him last year. I've seen him when I was at Harps. You know, he punished us so many times from free kicks from these areas. So it's very, very important. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a strike here. Sligo Rovers haven't prepared a no, wall here. No, so that's, the, power that's down to back. the goalkeeper. That'll be down to Ed. That'll be Ed's call, you know. So he, ma- he makes that call. Yeah, he? he makes that call. Well, now, now he, he is signalling a two-man wall. So Barlow yeah, and Power now. are forming a two-man wall. It's about 10 metres outside the edge of the area. It's almost dead. I mean, this yeah. is prime Will Patching well, territory. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a bang at this. McGinty organising the men in front of him. Just a two-man wall. Here is Patching right footage. It's on target, or it's not. It's gone to the left and right. Just for a moment, I thought it was going to bounce into the corner yeah. of the net. Yeah. But in fairness to Ed McGinty, he had his lines yeah, covered. His lines covered. Yeah. Goal kicks like a Rovers. Four minutes to go. Rovers nil. Derry City nil here at the showground. Take a point now, Ossie. I think you would on the balance of this last yeah, quarter. Yeah, I think so. I think it's been a good performance. You know, it is. And there is more of a menace to Derry right now, you'd have to say, mm. in the closing stages. That That's not to say that there isn't still a chance yeah, at the I other think end. Yeah, be a chance. Can Rovers fashion one opening? Let's see if we're going to get on the end of it. From the restart, headed clear by Sam Todd. Kelly trying to put Pinacker under pressure, but the New Zealander did well. Cleared by McGinty. It's going to drift out of play for a throw-in in front of the main stand here at the showgrounds. Fresh encouragement coming from John Russell. He thinks he's playing. He's got to be encouraged by the effort of his side tonight and their discipline and application. Just a little bit more quality product maybe up front. 
but there could still be time. This is Ben Doherty and Michael Duffy combining. Duffy now shows too much of that ball for a moment to Conor Malley, but I thought he had, but he gets it back oh. in, and it comes with a Kelly here, and a save by McGinty, and McGinty. Ed McGinty smokes the danger from point-blank range. Kelly, I think it was Danny Kelly was in, or was it Boyce? Straight in, what unmarked, the flag save. stayed down from no more than four yards out. McGinty smothered him, and that's why Rovers brought him back. McGinty may well have saved a precious point for Sligo Rovers here tonight. So. I think so. It was, it, it's the first mistake Pinecker made all night. He missed the cross. Daniel Kelly had read it, and McGinty was out in him really, really quick. Brilliant from him. From the restart, Conley heads it. Derry with their tails up, sensing there might be a late winner, but Con- Duffy runs into trouble. Again, Charlie Wiggett does well on the Derry man here on this left-hand side. Duffy keeps the ball in play. Now he goes round Wiggett. Wiggett will give a chase. Barlow comes to meet him. Little true ball towards Hooban and Kelly. Might come here to Kelly, to the edge of the byline. Danger here for Slagger Rovers. Played across the area, hooked away by Pinecker for a throw-in. Derry are pushing. They sense, the, they sense a winner here. I see Rory Higgins, you know, and telling everybody to go forward. Just over a minute of normal time remaining. Sligo Rovers nil, Derry City nil. Rovers now slightly hanging on in these closing moments of the game. Derry City throw-in, deep in Sligo Rovers territory in front of the main stand. Ro- Derry, Rovers atta- or Derry attacking the, the uh, railway end, taken by, to be taken by Ben Doherty, one of the second-half substitutes here. Uh, Higgins has had to make a plethora of changes tonight for Derry. But the uh, introductions he's made in the second half have done well. But that's a misdirected one on this occasion by Doherty. And it's gone behind for a goal kick to Sligo Rovers as we tick into deep into the last minute of normal time. Yeah, it's... I think we'd be happy to take a point now, Austin. You know, it's... The last couple of minutes we've, we've rolled a luck away. But like I said, McGinty made a great save from the... Really, really important. There hasn't been a huge amount of chances I've seen no. it. Uh, it's been fairly even, Stephen, in fairness. The restart from Ed McGinty is long, up towards Waymaru, but it's headed away by Sam Todd for Sligo Rovers. Pineacker at the other end, underneath it for the home team. Now it comes to patching once again, and he'll thread the ball to this left-hand side to Duffy, who'll go and try and toy with Wigan again. Turns him one within the other. Angle of the area from Duffy. It's a good left foot across. Great header away by Pineacker and Denham between them to the edge of the area. Still not properly cleared, though. Boyce keeps the move going for Derry City. Oh. Kelly turned to combine. Little nut. Oh, it's a penalty. Five minutes of additional time. Oh, and he's for Derry City penalty. Oh. by the referees awarding a free out. Oh. And Derry City players and fans furious with that. Five minutes of additional time. Derry felt they had a cast-iron penalty there, but the referee says no. It was a dive, presumably, and therefore a free out. We're a long way from it, Austin. Hard know, to know. I, we don't I, have the replay. It's, it's hard to know, you know. I think it was Daniel Kelly, wasn't it? Was it was Daniel in. Kelly, he, and he, and he, he, and he, he burst into the box. The only thing I'd say is that, you know, there was no reason for him to go down. He was in. Um, but whether there was contact or whether there was anything else, I hear some of the other commentators saying here, you know, from Derry that the referee got it right. So I think, you know. Well, it comes in the 91st minute. It will be a talking point. It remains Rovers nil, Derry City nil, and Rovers will have the free kick. And it's McGinty to take it, driving it long, left-footed. Five, Five minutes, minutes of, yeah. of injury time, as we mentioned. Waveru beaten to it in the air by... Mark Connolly, he's got very little, little change out of the uh, centre half since coming on for Sligo Rovers. Derry and, the power the now, and Derry feel there's still a winner in this game for them, but that pass is misdirected and Parlow wins it back. Got to be careful, Caelan Barlow runs into a forest of Derry City players and he's lost possession and Derry come again with Michael Duffy. Rovers nil, Derry City nil, but it's Derry who senses a late winner in injury time in this game, attacking the railway end. Duffy runs into trouble, but finds Ben Doherty being policed and tracked there by Caelan Barlow. And Barlow does well to win it back to Waveroo. 
on up from Mugru. Gets past Will Patching. This is good from the centre forward. Can he find a ball in field? He can. It's Will Fitzgerald. Will replace Fitzgerald. Edge of the dirty penalty area. Oh, what a tackle Fitzgerald by Conley. Fitzgerald is one close. And two, but a wonderful tackle by Mark Conley. The centre half has earned his wages tonight with that tackle. What a tackle to by Conley. To prevent a certain goal now challenge. What a tackle, Hossie. Will Fitzgerald was at him inside the box. It had to be timed brilliantly and outstanding tackle by Conley. Well, the home fans are booming. They'll feel there might have been a foul there on Fitzgerald, but they won't have seen the tackle and the timing of it. It was good for Mark Conley. It's a free kick for Derry City, which Brian Maher, the goalkeeper, will take outside his area. And we have two of the five additional minutes played. We're well into the third one now. Sligo Rovers nil, Derry City nil. Can Rovers hold on? And you kind of feel it's a holding on job now to get a share of the spoils here because Derry do look menacing going forward. Kelly sprinting across, but that's well cleared by Nando Pinacker for Sligo Rovers. And Denham is down in need of attention. Maybe trying to slow the play down, which isn't yeah, the worst idea so. in the world. Yeah, I think I think take this thing out of it a wee bit now. And Rovers have a free out a few metres outside their own penalty area, which goalkeeper Ed McGinty comes out to take. Well, they've had to work very, very hard tonight, Sligo Rovers, but as we tick but look, there's into no, the there's no easy games in this league, 94th actually. minute. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. We've seen from results last night. And I think, you know, the endeavour, the honesty that we've shown tonight uh, probably haven't created a lot of chances, you know, but Derry haven't created a lot of chances either. It's been probably one or two. You know, on balance of play, it's a good point for us. McGinty's free, goes straight out of play. Derry City have the throw. They've taken it already, and Marr in the Derry City area has the ball. It comes from his goal mouth, and everybody pushing forward now up towards the Rovers' penalty area. Rovers nil, Derry City nil. The flick on from Hooban towards Duffy, trying to skip inside the challenge of Charlie Wigan. Charlie Wigan has done well at right back. Unconventional role for him against Michael Duffy tonight. Since oh. the this is patching the edge of the area. Dreadful low. McGinty, corner kick to Derry. Great save by McGinty. It was creeping in. McGinty again yeah. comes to Sligo Rovers rescue. Save. He didn't strike it perhaps as cleanly it was still, as he it was called, but the it was heading for the corner and McGinty had to get down you and know. Scott did precisely that. But it's not over yet. Yeah, we got it Patching again to swing this right foot a corner kick. A forest of Derry shirts in around the Rovers penalty area. Wilson Waverow back to help out his defenders. I'm a betting man, Austin, to be a free out. Last minute of injury time. Sligo Rovers nil, Derry City nil. Here's the corner kick for Derry City at the railway end of the ground. Forest the men under the line and it's straight into Ed McGinty, I no, thought. It's taken no, again. it's got to be taken again. I'm not sure what happened Don't there, know. but the referee wants the corner kick to be retaken for some reason. So Patching will get a second bite at the cherry here. We'll have to lean forward here because it's hard to see this corner of the ground. Got to just defend this properly now. And what goes through your head is that we conceded late in, in Daly Mont Park. Patching's corner kick is right footed. It's deep in under the oh, crossbar. Goes down by Waverloo. It's oh, hit the ground. It takes a ricochet back towards goal. And somehow Charlie Wigan oh, boots it clear mouth. up towards halfway. Still no Derry come back again. Here is Ben Doherty under pressure from Will Fitzgerald. Still Doherty does well. Oh. Tackle from Barlow. But Doherty gets a second by the cherry and keeps coming forward with the ball. Rovers have to be careful here. Another opportunity for Ronan Boyce. Took a shove in the back from Conor Malley. Play on to the referee. Tackle from Niall Mullahan. Rovers defending frantically in these live moments. That's it, Wilson Wilroach sits forward and the referee calls for the ball. It's full time here from the showgrounds. It was all hands to the kitchen sink at the very end for Sligo Rovers. But they've held on to take a point of Derry City. It's finished Sligo Rovers nil, Derry City nil. Good point, Ossie, the way things worked out. I think, you know, in the, in the, in the last 15 minutes... 
we were we were under some pressure. You know, Derry through the kitchen sink at it. McGinty's uh, made a couple of good saves. You know, you look at it, we're unbeaten. You know, that's the way you have to look at the positive side of it. And I think we have two points. We're unbeaten and uh, a lot of positives. They were under the caution of the closing moments, but they held on and kept their shape. And Ed McGinty looks like he's back, number one, and back to his best. Yeah, two. look, he's made a difference. Not only the, the saves that he's made, but his handling. It's a wet night. It's a miserable night. His handling has been superb. Very impressed with Denham as well for his first time here. He's not going to come up much better. You know, Hoopin and Gaffney are the two top centre forwards in the country. He's done very well in them tonight. Uh, you know, I think Derry were Derry were the better side in the second half. I've no doubt about that. They pushed on. Um, I think the substitutions, believe it or not, probably worked well for Derry. Murphy came on done really well in the middle of the park. Yeah, bizarrely, the injuries helped yeah, Derry yeah. in terms of the did, yeah. And sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes that happens. Um, we were surprised as well. Although Fitzgerald done well when he came on. I was really surprised to see Hartman going off. I thought he was right for us. Uh, but look at positives, and I'm sure John will look at the positives, and rightly, rightly so. Huge crowd here tonight. And now we welcome Shelburne next Friday night, you know, who are top of the table. And, you know, good chance to go and get something at home. Are you encouraged by what you're seeing from the new players here tonight for Sligo Rovers? Yeah, I am. Uh, two things in it. One, I can pronounce their names, which I think was a huge <laughs> positive from last year. Uh, but they have done well. I thought Wilson done really well at right back. I thought he was solid. I thought Denham done very well. You know, I think the middle of the park, mainly we know is a bit of football about him. I think power gives you loads of energy. You know, I think he, he, he runs and he runs and he runs. And that's what people talk me at Chandler Corbett. He's a really, really good athlete. You know, so I think that's very, very fun. We get Kim on. You know, he's a centre half. You know, he's he's done well. So I think he went in it right back against Mickey Duffy, who's probably the best outside left in the country. So yeah, a lot of positives. Really, really is. Well, a good portion of the crowd has stayed on here after the final whistle. The Rovers players going around to the Jinxes Avenue side of the ground to applaud the Forza fans, going behind the goal to do likewise and making their way towards the main stand. That doesn't happen too often for a nil-all draw, Gavin Dykes. But I think it's the manner of the performance, the endeavour, the yeah. commitment look, and the urgency that has impressed the home support look, you, tonight. You, you play in front of this crowd and I was lucky to look for playing it for years. You know, If you give honesty, if you give endeavour, if you give everything you possibly have, they'll back you to the hilt. It's when you don't do that you know they'll give you a bit of stick you know I just had to give a special moment mention as well to Mark Connolly at centre half for Derry he was outstanding tonight he really really was he was the tackle he made in the last couple of minutes on Will Fitzgerald yes was top yeah, drawer was, was top drawer so I mean you know I think Derry will come down the road. it's a difficult place to come they'll look at it they've had a good start to four points out of six you know Sligo have two points out of six huge game next week against Shelburne and, and the fact that Shelburne are top of the table now also adds a wee bit of extra pressure on Shelburne not really on Sligo you know so big weekend next week Shelburne on, on Friday night I think we'll have done dock on Monday night so look at hopefully we can pick up some points Gavin Dykes on commentary for Ocean FM Sport uh, after Saturday night's nil-all draw against Derry City at the showgrounds and here the post-match thoughts of the Rovers manager John Russell I think you have to be happy with a draw it's probably on the balance of play it was a fair result Derry are a top side you know they've uh, quality all over the pitch and they've got aspirations to win a league title and uh, they've a settled group as well and we, we've got a new group and, and I think we went toe-to-toe with them. I felt we marginally shaded the first half they were, without testing Maher, but we had some good patterns and, and good build-up without getting that final finish. And, um, you know, I was pleased coming in at half-time, but second half, it was a very scrappy game, little chances, both defences did well. Um, but in fairness, Derry probably up the gears the last five or ten minutes and probably holding on a little bit. Um, so happy to get a draw. A hard-earned point, but a deserved one many will feel, given the performance of some of your new players, and I'm thinking of Ollie Denham in particular. 
Yeah, I thought him and Nando were outstanding. Um, you know, Holman, as we all know, he's a top striker in this this division at this level, and um, don't think he gave him a kick all night. And you know, it's important for Nando and for Ollie to build up that partnership now. And you've got Ed McGinty back behind them, so that triangle is huge for us going forward and, and nice for those three um, to get a clean sheet but I have to mention the two fullbacks JR and Reese. you know they're coming up against two tricky wingers they won their 1v1 battles um, and then they, on the other side they were good going forward especially in the first half and just a word on your keeper a fresh reminder why you were so keen to get him back here yeah I mean he's he's immense he's the best in the in the league best in the country um, what a talent and you know to get him back is a huge boost for us he's not just um, a top goalkeeper but he's really good in the dressing room as well he's, he's got a real strong mentality he wants to win matches and, and that's what we want and we, we want more of those people driving standards and um, hopefully he'll have a big impact this season and there were 4,317 people here to watch it which to my mind is the biggest home attendance for a first game for quite a few years it is yeah I spoke to the players before the game um, and said that you know it's a long time since that type, type of crowd has come in and you know that's probably off the back of um, our performance last week and the momentum of the league but I think we've signed well I think we've got a good hungry group of players that the fans attached to straight away and, and that was important you know I spoke to the guys during pre-season we need to get that connection but we need to produce we need it's actions on the pitch and I felt the crowd got behind the players tonight and there was spells where we needed a little lift and, and you could hear the noise levels rising again and that'll be huge for us this season we need to make this a fortress we need to you know when teams come down they need to feel the crowd on top of them and, and, and the referees um, uh, so look it was a good start John Russell the Sligo Rovers manager after Saturday night's nil-all draw against Derry next up Rovers at home again Friday night not a Saturday game it's next Friday night Damien Duff's Shelburne Come to the showground, 7.45 kickoff. You'll hear the match live on Ocean FM. Well, you'll know that the Irish government has announced it's going to provide €50 million Euro towards the redevelopment of Caseman Park in Belfast, one of the nominated host venues when the Euro 2028 soccer finals are hosted by the UK and Ireland. The scrum for a share of government money's due for to come for online for sports capital grants later this year is expected to be intense. Locally, you'll know Sligo Rovers are looking to move on their new €70 million Euro master plan to redevelop the showgrounds. Finn Harps are trying to get their Donegal Stadium project moving too after long delays and there are the countless other sports club infrastructure projects that various groups are looking to progress but for any sporting group big or small getting a share of that pie there are important factors to consider and to enlighten us we've been speaking to Paul McLoon who's an advisor to Finn Harps Football Club on the Donegal Stadium Project well, there's been a lot of debate this month in particular, Austin, with regard to it. It was really kicked off by Donal O'Cusick, if you could call him a Sunday game in early February, where he talked about Party Kiev, which costs $100 million, And it, it, now a debt been carried by the Cork County Board of $30 million, And he's saying that the rest of Cork sport has been neglected because of this and uh he kicked, you know, he also mentioned that there's far too many stadiums. This kicked off a response from the economist Colin McCarthy, who wrote a lot around, uh, you know, when, when we had the downturn and during COVID, and he called for a comprehensive analysis of stadium utilisation in Ireland. In other words, what he's saying is no governing body or the Department of Sport has ever looked at this, and he's suggesting <laughs> that there's far too many stadiums in the country. 
And then Gavin Comiskey in the Irish Times followed it up just last week with an article called Grounds for Concern, which was uh, commenting on the FAA recently branded the League of Ireland facilities as archaic. The new Dundalk owner, Brian Anscough, he described Oriel Park as a pig's day. And uh, you will recall also that the FAI asked the government last year for 390 million over 15 years to upgrade stadiums uh, within the Republic of Ireland. So uh, that certainly created the debate. And then this month, or, or, or the last week, uh, the, the Casement Park thing came to the fore again. The 50 million been announced and now the DUPs jumping up and down to say that the cost will go north of 200 million. So it's interesting in the context for me of local uh, clubs here in the Northwest. And if you wish, uh, we can talk a little bit about how it's funded, uh, Austin, which is called the Large Scale Sport Infrastructure Fund is the name of it. Well, yes, you've been helping Finn Harps in recent years with their proposed stadium development, and we'll get into that in just a few moments. But how hard or easy right now for sporting teams, clubs, organisations is it to access money? Well, it, it, it's quite a detailed application process, as you can imagine. But, uh, you know, it, you'd nearly need full-time staff to do it, but all of us do it on a voluntary basis. But, for instance, the last program, which the, the, the Infrastructure Fund ran from 2018 to 2023, there was 37 projects funded nationally uh, at the tune of $117 million. What people would be familiar with, and it's important to note this, is, for instance, Park Talchin and Navin uh, got $8.5 million, but the projected cost of it is $20 million. Similarly, Newbridge is $6, six million grant, $17 million is the actual cost. Sports Ground in Galway is after getting $20 million announced, but the projected cost is well over 40 million. So in the instance of Finn Harps, they got a grant of 4.7 million, but the projected cost initially was uh, 12 million. So when the government announced this, uh, and they answer your question specifically, Austin, the scheme says that it would give you a grant at 70%. In other words, if you're spending 10 million, they'll give you seven as a maximum. And that's the important element is they just don't have enough money. So you'd never get 70%. You'd be extremely lucky to get 50%. So while you may access uh, grant money, uh, the match funding required, especially of smaller uh, counties and clubs, and, uh, you know, it's not just uh, soccer or Gaelic or rugby. It's also swimming, boxing, uh, basketball, whatever. You know, this is the fund that funds all sports here in the Northwest. So if you're doing a major project in the Northwest in the next five or six years, you will have to apply to this fund uh, mid this year. Okay, so just to crystallise that for people, if, say, I'm involved in a sporting project here in the Northwest and the projected cost is a million euro and I apply uh, to this infrastructure fund, I might get 70% of that, which would be 700,000. I might not get that, but let's assume I get 700,000. The key thing to remember you're saying to me is that I've got to come up with the other 300,000 euro myself. 
Absolutely, and there's very few projects will come in at one million. There's a thing called a small scale infrastructure fund. For instance, there's sensible things being done. If you notice this week, uh, Sean McDermott Park in uh, Leithrum is uh, putting in a new pitch. That's 400,000. Ballyshannon, my own club, Erua, put in a new pitch at 220,000. So it's possible for smaller organizations to manage that scale because the gap isn't so big. But if you look at Sligo Rovers, for instance, that, that, you know, they're, they're projecting a 17 million development for uh, the showgrounds. Uh, so if they only get, for instance, half of that, they have to raise eight and a half million themselves. So it's it's a big ask. And I just, you know, this debate we're having today is to make sure that organizations and clubs throughout the Northwest are fully aware. Reverend says you chase the grant, it's handy money. It's far from that. That's not half the picture. And you can even remember last year when the, what's known as the Golden Visa Scheme, Austin, was... Uh, it was in train for 10 years. That's where people from outside of Ireland bought a passport for 500,000. It was philanthropy. Uh, Loud JA announced that they had got 12.5 million of that, uh, and they were putting it as match funding against Park Talchin. And the whole scheme was abolished uh, following that in February of last year. Over the la- It was brought in during the downturn to attract investment into Ireland, but it was to go to charities, to educational facilities for sporting, but it was called a halt because uh, 90% of the applicants were Chinese. So there was a great fear that there was a lot of people getting Irish passports that maybe shouldn't have. So that avenue for match funding is closed off now, Austin. Well, in relation to the next one that's coming down the track that you mentioned a few moments ago, the next sports infrastructure fund, when applications do open, what's your sense of what the interest in that is going to be like? I mean, we, we know about the well-publicised development projects. You've mentioned Sligo Rovers and its master plan for the showgrounds. That's going to cost a lot of money. You've been involved and you are still advising Finn Harps on their Donegal Stadium project, which has been mooted for a long, long time now. How widely subscribed do you think this next funding round is likely to be? Well, I think it's going to be huge. I I think there's going to be a record number of applicants for the reason that, for instance, the FAI uh, has talked about Arkex stadiums. So after 20 stadiums, uh, they're encouraging at least 18 applications. And as I told you, in the last trial of five years, it was 117 million was allocated for the government. Uh, the FAI are going to look for, uh, you know, 26, 27 million per year. So they'd eat up that fund in one go. But if you look at the study, listen, I live in Ballyshannon. So if I look uh, an hour and a half from Ballyshannon, there's seven or eight stadiums that have a capacity of taking uh, 18,000 people, be it, you know, Celtic Park in Derry, Healy Park in Oma, uh, Brewster Park in, 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 in Eskillen, Markovich Park in Sligo, Hyde Park, Roscommon, McCool Park in Ballybuffet. Uh, and then we go east and you have Clonus and you have Breffney, which is 25,000 and 34,000. So if any of those stadiums are looking for an upgrade, it's going to be quite significant money. And we go back to the... Colin McCarthy, uh, economist, who says there's far too many stadiums in Ireland. So 
thinking, you know, when, when uh, Donald O'Cusick was talking about Cork, he was thinking of Torless, he was thinking of Limerick, he was thinking of Killarney, all 45,000 capacity stadiums. But if this debate gets stronger, I'm giving you the example from Ballyshannon, all of those stadiums are within an hour and a half's drive from here. So it does affect us in the Northwest as well. So if there isn't enough money in government, I would think, Austin, someone's going to have to make a critical decision on this and say, if there is going to be these number of applications, does this make sense? And also note in this, for anyone would say to you, Austin, listen, this is none of their business. This is our stadium. Our forefathers built it. This is a load of nonsense. You'd often hear that, but when you apply for a grant, you're looking for public money, and now the debate can be, an economist can come in and say this, because now you're using taxpayers' money. So I think this will be a great debate uh, coming up. For instance, in this uh, rally, Ireland's after signalling that they're looking for 15 million to hold the World Rally Championship in, I think it's in Limerick, Waterford, and Killarney in 25, 26, 27. So there's 15 million could be gone already. Daily Mount, we know, is a 40 million project. So, you know, if we're talking 170 million, Austin, you can see where I'm coming from that I think everyone in this, in the Northwest region, needs to go into this with their eyes wide open. Okay. Well, I mean, given the demand that's going to be on government cash for sports funding, uh, but by the sense of how you outlined things there, are we going to, you know, in terms of that great debate we're, we're, we're about to have and going to have, Paul, do you think it's going to come down to having a discussion about, we're going to have to have a serious talk now about having multi-sport facilities where the Donegal Stadium project in its final incarnation might be a venue that is a soccer stadium, yes, but it's also a Gaelic Games one, it's also a rugby one, etc., etc., well, the biggest problem for the JA in particular is that the, the dimensions of rugby and soccer aren't big enough to host the Gaelic match. And really, the Gaelic can't make use of the other stadiums unless they're built accordingly. And that's not the case. Uh, like the showgrounds and the sports stadium in uh, Galway, I think would be able to host uh, rugby and soccer. But the... Uh, it's a debate that someone needs to have a serious look at. Uh, you know, if we're looking, for instance, my wife is from Port Leash, uh, which is only 22 miles from Tullamore, which is two of the, two of the most similar stadiums in the world. But, you know, 18,000 capacity, 22,000. They're only 20 miles apart. But who's the brave person is going to tell an awfully man that you play your home games in Port Leash? But... Things have to change everywhere and we're going to have to accept change. So to me, there's no logic in developing a multiplicity of stadiums that are never filled. And if we look at all the county grounds I spoke about in the Northwest, you know better than me, Austin, how many times is there a full house in those? And if there isn't, surely a central stadium makes more sense than eight. If we park the multi-sport dimension to this for just a moment, specifically on Finn Harps, you've been advising the club in recent times and been involved in the early germination of the Donegal Stadium project. Are you, do you see light at the end of the tunnel for Finn Harps here, Paul? Do you see work beginning properly on this stadium project 
in the relatively near future? Well, I can be very specific on that. What happened with FinArts is that their projected cost was uh, $12 million. So when the grant was evident was coming in much lesser, and as I said, it's $4.7 million from the Department of Sport, uh, we revisited the design of the stadiums, the stadium itself. So it's a much uh, lesser stadium now, if you like, uh, with, with how it looks. It's not a big concrete structure anymore. It's a modular stadium, but it can still hold uh, 6,200. And it now comes in at 7.3 million is the cost of it. Uh, we've achieved another million from uh, the FAI and Donegal County Council to bring the money up to 5.7. Now, the match funding that is required is 1.6, which is much more manageable for a club the size of Finn Harps. I know they're looking at maybe uh, selling some assets, and I think I'd strongly advise them to do that. Uh, Because the thing has dragged on so long, they'll have to get their planning uh, permission uh, renewed. That will take about six months. So, But if... To put the ducks in a row, we put up a projection that would allow work to commence uh, at the Donegal Community Stadium in early November this year for completion uh, within about 20 months from that. So I think the money is going to come into place and match funding, you know, whenever and when all the smoke screens are blown away, the big issue for Finharps was match funding and coming up with 2.6 million was the, was the first ask. Now it's 1.6. So any county board, any swim club, any boxing club coming in the distance saying, you know, oh, this is great. We'll get this and we'll raise two or three million. When you go to try and raise that level of funding in an area like the Northwest, it is very, very difficult. And reminding people that Tala Stadium, the applicant for that was South Dublin. County Council, and the reason they can apply is they get an awful lot of commercial rates. The applicant for Daily Mount is going to be Dublin City Council. Again, get huge commercial rates. They'll be the owner. The Brandywell is owned by Derry City Council. But in all the other areas, your local authority can't afford because they don't get income like the, the richer local authorities. So you have to stand alone. So there's no fairy godmother going to come in and wave a wand and apply for this for you. The instance of Finn Harps is the FAI at the uh, government hearing uh, this week said that they won't be in a strong position until 2031. So for all the soccer clubs in Ireland, they're going to have to do this just like Finn Harps. And I can tell you, it's a very painful process but to answer your question again, I do believe there is at long last light at the end of the tunnel for Finn Harps. Paul McLoon, advisor to Finn Harps Football Club on the Donegal Stadium project on the various money challenges and decisions facing all sporting clubs and organisations when it comes to developing infrastructure. <laughs> Sligo Rover will be 